welcome to Meetups with Mediators, a podcast brought to you by the Columbus Bar Association. I'm your host, Veronica Cravener. This is a podcast for both mediators and attorneys who represent clients at mediation. The goal is to provide takeaways to help you make your next mediation your best mediation. Today's topic is reading between the lines in mediation. So, in mediation, you probably spend much time thinking about and evaluating what's being said, both what your clients are saying and also what the other side is saying. And those statements probably help you decide what you're going to say next, what you're going to propose next. But here's my question. Are you really paying attention to what's being communicated or just the words that people are saying? So as I always ask, why do we care? Well, today's guest is mediator Charlotte Parsons, and she's going to discuss how she reads between the lines in mediation to do a number of things, to build rapport with parties, to help break impasse between parties, and to help parties exercise self-determination. Charlotte has extensive experience in mediating domestic relations cases as well as municipal court civil cases. And I know, as I said before, I think every mediator has his or her superpower. And after observing Charlotte in several mediations, I definitely think that this is hers. So with that, Charlotte, welcome to Meetups with Mediators, and thanks for being here today. Hey, Veronica. Thanks for inviting me. So let's get right to it. You know, I always like to ask my guests, you know, how did you get your start in mediation? I know you've had a very interesting path and, <laughs> right. and I'm really interested in, in having you share that with our listeners today. Yeah, sure. You're right. I've and I don't know that there is one traditional path for mediators. It seems like everyone I meet has so many interesting um, backgrounds that they bring they bring to it. I am kind of like that. My original um, careers were in journalism and in healthcare. Um, that also led me to parenting education. And really, that's the thing I've done the longest um, in my careers is with Action for Children here in Columbus. And that led me to mediation. When I took my first mediation um, class and it was recommended by someone said, oh, you would love this. You'd be great at this. I have to admit, I was like, wow, what a great fit. And I just couldn't get enough. I took you know, lots and lots of training. We're so fortunate to have um, the Ohio Supreme Court and community mediation services and, and others to teach things. There's so many great conferences. So I've had lots of training in lots of areas. I admit my heart is probably strongest in domestic. And that's probably for a few reasons. One, when I look back on my careers in journalism, you're a neutral. In healthcare, even though you're helping people, you are still coming at it from a respecting a person's self-determination. So I think when you bring that together and I look back at my past in hindsight, I can say I was studying parenting for a long time before I was a parent, after I was a parent, and now that I'm an empty nester, still so. My parents had a divorce that was pretty nasty. And people say, oh, that's why you do this. And I'm like, well, not really, but maybe there's a connection there that I really enjoy parents being empowered to do better. And I think mediation in particular is a great vehicle for folks to take those steps to improve their own situation and therefore their kids. And that's really interesting. And I know whenever I talk to mediators, I'm always curious to find out about their paths. Because, you know, <laughs> we always talk about in mediation, I mean, what are we doing as mediators? We're talking about life decisions with people. And so... You know, it always seems like sort of the more varied experiences that you can have as a mediator, you know, 
chances are that helps in in any sort of issues that you might be encountering with parties. Right. It definitely comes in handy, you know, whether a mediation might involve um, things that have to do with, uh, you know, right now Ohio is facing so much drug addiction and issues like that. My healthcare background truly comes in handy. At the same time, back in the 80s and 90s, I was helping cover the crack epidemic. Hmm. So I, I've seen some of this stuff come around and I know and I, I feel like for me, I have a, a real empathy for what's going on and it's no one really knows how to fix this or it would be fixed already. But if anything, sometimes families and parties can come to their own way of keeping themselves safe, keeping their children safe, despite whatever challenges they're facing, whether it's economic, health-oriented, just life, they are in the best position to help make their own decisions. And if a court has to help them, fine. You know, that's that's always there. But if they're able to, you know, get advice from counsel, you know, whatever is needed, but to determine their own futures, I think most of the time they're going to be more satisfied. And that's really interesting. And so that's where I'm so thrilled that we're here, that you're here with us today to you know, talk about how you read between the lines in mediation, because I know, you know, one of your focuses um, is on enabling parties' self-determination. And that's, you know, one thing that you do in mediation in order to be able to enable that. Can you share with us sort of what are you looking for when you're reading between the lines in mediation? I mean, are we just talking about body language? Kind of help us sort of understand what are you looking for? Well, you know, when you brought up this idea and, and you mentioned that you felt that that's something that I do well. I had to think about it. I was like, wow, do I? You know, what what does that mean? And so just in thinking about it in these past few weeks, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that's something that we all do. And I think we just do it as humans. Frankly, our dogs do it. I mean, we, we pick up body language. We pick up tone of voice. We pick up eye contact and eye movement. I think there's so much that we pick up from each other beyond the words, obviously, and we know this stuff. But once we are gathering, are we first, are we receptive? You know, as mediators, I think we probably are as a group, very receptive to the other communications in the room. You know, there are sometimes attention is palpable. Other times you can tell it's a little more relaxed and you can even sit back in your chair. But all those things put together, we're we're absorbing it and then we're using it to help the parties in whatever way we feel is appropriate as a mediator. And we're all going to have different ways of doing that. But I think the key thing is, do we as mediators actually act on the signals we're getting? So one, are we receptive to hearing the things and seeing the signals? And two, are we actually going to use it and act on it? So if we, if we sort of break it down, there's what people say, right? But then there's the tone they say it, the speed they say it, the force that they say it. All of those things might matter. Like you mentioned, body language, you know, are they leaning forward on the table? Are they leaning back in their chair? Um, You know, it's sort of the proverbial, do you have your hands on your hips when you're talking to your children? You know, we kind of know what that means. So there's there's signals like that that we we pick up. We're going to miss sometimes, but you're, you're making some guesses on that. Other things are, how long do they pause before they answer? Are they sweating? Are they jiggling a leg? I have one of my offices... um, down the street in German Village, something about the floor, but when some people will jiggle their leg, the whole floor shakes. So they suddenly become very aware that they're jiggling their leg, and they usually stop. So it's kind of an interesting, they get their own feedback. Looking at where folks are emotionally 
helps you know what kind of message they're trying to deliver and if they need help with that. So, for example, whether you might want to take a caucus because someone's burning out emotionally or someone's behaving in a way that you know that message will not be received by the other party because someone has become either too aggressive or too passive or too something. I think as, as mediators, we're attuned to that and we kind of freeform our mediation reactions to help benefit the parties the most. So do you think as you're mediating, do you sort of have like a mental checklist where you're thinking, hey, I've noticed this certain posture or this tone of voice or I see someone crying or whatever it is? Or do you think Mm -hmm. you've just sort of cultivated like a sixth sense that you kind (laughs) of recognize and you instinctively think to yourself, maybe I should go to caucus or maybe I should call for a break? Well. I, when we first started talking about this a few weeks ago, I would say, no, of course, I don't have any kind of list. But as I was thinking about it more, um, and you, it's funny you mentioned that phrase, you know, like a sixth sense. There's an, an author, Gavin DeBecker, who wrote a book called um, Protecting the Gift. And it was about how to notice in your children, you know, his, his idea, and this is a, a former FBI guy. His um, book was about how children are born, all of us are born with a certain sense of sort of our own safety and the way we navigate with other people and whatnot. And that over time, we kind of learn to ignore those signals because, well, particularly for women, they might be rude. They might be seen as rude or they might be seen as weak. And that's, you know, women or men. So sort of the idea you're walking to your car late at night after going to a movie, your your car is parked around the corner, you're by yourself. And then you see somebody walking by. Do you get a little sense of, oh, I wish I wasn't alone right now, or I shouldn't be here in this dark alley by myself right now. Or do you go, oh, that's silly, go to your car. Well, his some of his research and whatnot revealed that people most of the time said they had a little feeling that they should be safer, and then too late. So it's, it was kind of an interesting book, but you think of that, do we have a sixth sense? Maybe, you know, I'm not really into the paranormal kind of ideas of things. But we do have a way of pe- as people, of relating and observing the world and then reacting to it. So, yeah, I think we all have that. But do, again, do we act on it? So I, I think that's, that's really part of the key is looking at the folks. We all would recognize certain things, obvious things. You mentioned like crying. Well, is that crying because of sadness, grief? Is it crying because of anger and frustration? I don't know. So it depends. You get a feel for it. But there are times where you can be you can be wrong. I have totally been wrong in what I was thinking in my head. Example, um, and this, this has happened more than once. I would say many times that I will see strong passion from one party or the other and assume that they are really, really hating the other person. I mean, spitting venom kind of anger in the way they talk, the way they act. I mean, we're talking, you can tell. And then when you get them in caucus or you look at, into what's going on, you start to realize, or they actually will admit to you in caucus, they actually still care very deeply for that person. And so that anger and that venom is hurt. And who knows what other complicated levels of human emotion. Can that person continue a mediation when they're behaving in those ways and feeling those deep feelings? Yes. But having the support from the mediator or from the process itself, I think, is pretty key. 
So it sounds like sort of over the years, you've really learned to sort of trust that instinct or trust your gut, right? cultivate sort of that intuition um, to allow you to be aware of really not just what's being said in mediation, but what's being communicated as a whole. And yeah. in picking up on what's being communicated, not just the words that are being said, mm -hmm. that's really enabled you as a mediator to facilitate that sort of informed decision making in mediation. Yeah, I would I would agree with with what you're saying is, you know, you I guess like anything, it you practice it and um, it helps the parties that you are not not only you're not afraid of what they're saying, you're also not afraid of what they're not saying. That's sort of the in between the lines area. What else is going on? And are you willing to go there with them? Are you willing to you know, go where they are, help them communicate their feelings, even if it's through you, like a conduit through you to the other person or even directly with maybe some communication coaching? They might be able to get out their underlying interests, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. They can say A, B, and C, but underneath there, maybe it's X, Y, and Z. And until they feel they've been able to say what they needed to say and that the other party has heard, they're not going to, in my opinion, they're not going to have the ability to move forward as productively. And things will still be in limbo. You know, maybe you're going to wind up with a no agreement or a partial agreement. Or if they agree, maybe they're not quite it's a Band-Aid kind of agreement. I think that's really, the, you know, any mediator's ultimate goal is can we get to those underlying interests? And then whether there's agreement or not is secondary, honestly, because the key interests are the main part. And whether there's agreement, whether there's agreement later, at least they've said what they need to say and hear what they need to hear. And one thing I'm really curious about is... So we know nowadays mediations don't always take place in person, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes one or both parties are over the phone. So I guess, can you talk a little bit about how do you read between the lines when both sides are by phone? Yeah, great question. I mean, that's hard, isn't it? I know you do the same thing. Right. It is... Um, you you kind of it, it strips away all of your it's like putting on blinders and all you have then are your ears you can't see the body language so i think you get more perceptive of what they're saying and how they say it you know are there breaks are there pauses what are you hearing in the background are they jiggling their leg or wiggling a pen in the background you know it's you just have to try harder and then i think it it puts more um pressure on the person to really formulate their words about their feelings. And that's harder to do um, because you're not going to have maybe the mediator or even the other party guessing some of your feelings that you're not saying. So they really have to be more articulate. Um, and so does the mediator to help bring that out. And maybe just taking your time with any mediation, honestly, but giving everyone the chance to to develop the way they feel because they may not have come into that mediation knowing exactly how they feel. So if you've got parties by phone, do you find yourself more using caucus more so that you've got more of a chance to notice things like tone of voice or pausing, pacing? Absolutely. At first, um, you know, as you do as well, any mediation, whether it's any type needs, in my opinion, a good you know, screening for safety, domestic violence, all those kinds of things, even just relationship um, 
power differentials. So hopefully, you know, that early, whether you want to call it a screening or sometimes I consider it a first caucus, that's where you're going to learn a lot right there because you're in private before you have brought in the other party. And then if you decide to go joint, whether it's conference call or um, speakerphone or however you do it, then at least you've, you've had a starter um, reference point with that person alone. And then I think if you need to go back separate, you could, or stay separate the whole time and shuttle by phone, then you could. But I think you really, I think that first touch is really important to get to know them at least a little bit. Now, I know prior to today, we sort of chatted a little bit about this podcast. And something else I found really interesting is you were telling me about how when you are mediating a dispute where both sides know each other well, how you will sort of enlist one side to help clue you in in terms of what to look for from the other side in terms of tone of voice or mannerisms, body language. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So one, I I think that's that's good for safety reasons. Um, You know, if someone says, oh, well, I I think they're probably just going to go ballistic or they're just going to go crazy. They're not going to like this idea at all. You know, that kind of thing. Then I'll often follow that up or maybe always follow that up with, well, what would that look like from the other party? And it it makes them stop a minute and then they have to sort of think, well, you know, um, she will lift her eyebrow or he will shift his jaw to the left. Often people know and they know those signals. So if they share those with me, that could be helpful for me, too. But it also lets them know that there's more to this than the things they say. It's also their own body language. And what I find really fascinating, too, is you're saying there's really no one-size-fits-all way that we all communicate. Mm-hmm. You know, someone leaning forward doesn't always mean X. Someone sitting back in their chair doesn't always mean Y. Instead, right. you, as the mediator, you're just taking in everything. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, sometimes when I see folks lean forward, if it's a certain tone in their 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 voice and whatnot, you can tell, oh, they're kind of rolling up their sleeves and they want to get to work. They see something with potential. Other times, and I just had this the other day, um, there was one party leaning forward on the table, almost so far on the table. And I, I always have bigger tables to keep people swinging distance apart, if you know what I mean. But it was so far in that it was almost uncomfortable. And I thought, okay, what's up with this? Is this, is this person going to crawl up on the table or what? Um, and I can't help but think that the other party was feeling that aggression. And partly it's because the things that party was saying were uh, pretty aggressive. So that was a time for a good break. <laughs> we took a break, we kind of reestablished. Other times I'll use my own body language to change the tone of the room. And it usually works. So when people seem to be getting stuck a little bit, but they're pretty comfortable. They've been, they've been making progress. So it's almost disappointing to everybody when there's suddenly a little sticky point. I'm not calling that an impasse yet, but just a sticky point. Then often I'll take a breath and I'll say, okay. And then I'll kind of lean back in my chair. I might even put my hands up above my, um, you know, behind my head and maybe look up at the ceiling or just stretch a little and say, okay, okay. So what, what can happen here? What can, what can you guys come up with about this? Let's brainstorm a little or, just to not only physically pull myself backwards and open myself up, 
I'm encouraging them to do it too. And I've seen that people will follow me. They'll do the same thing sometimes. They'll pull back and they'll stretch, take a breath, and it can be helpful. Um, Other times you'll feel people kind of close in. Their arms might cross. They might look down and to the side. You know the look I'm talking about. Right. And you're like, okay, are they taking a moment to thoughtfully think of something? Or are they kind of shutting down? Are they losing, losing hope here? So I think all of that, you know, we use those kinds of signals to help the conversation. Well, this has been really informative. And, you know, I think now would be a good time if you're up for it. You know, I try to ask all my guests to play a game with me oh, to yeah. sort of demonstrate <laughs> whatever the topic was that we've been discussing. So sure. I've come up with a game. Okay. And I have titled this, What's Really Going On? Okay. So I'm going to give you three hypothetical situations, <laughs> and then I'll just ask for your feedback in terms of, you know, based on what we've been discussing, reading between the lines, what do you think is going on? Great. Let's do it. Okay. So hypo number one, you're in caucus, you're, you communicate a proposal to a party, and in response, they give a big sigh, they say, yes, that's fine, and they start crying. Oh, okay. Well... I have a feeling everyone listening to your podcast is going to say red flag, right? Now, starting crying isn't a bad thing in and of itself. It could be relief and it could be giving up. So obviously it would be the mediator's job to find out what that is. I think my first instinct would be to just go quiet and give that person a moment. I'm not, I'm not going to say to somebody, hey, what's going on? I'm not going to do that right away. I'm going to give them a moment to collect themselves and they can tell me what's going on. And then I, I think they would. And if for some reason they didn't, obviously I'm going to ask. But you're definitely going to have that red flag. And then be open for whatever that person's going to say. Because it could be all over the map. Who knows? But you'd want to get to the bottom of it. So it sounds like you're going to embrace it. Um, you're going to treat the situation delicately because you're just not sure. Is this relief or some sort of discomfort? Sure. Um, but you're aware of it and, and you're not going to just brush it aside. Oh, no, no. And the, I mean, the last thing any of us would want, even if it's, you know, a full agreement, but then you get that reaction, you're going to be skeptical that that agreement is really what that person wants. And you're going to want to explore that. I mean, I'd, in some ways, I think that that would just be common sense. But um, other times I know that there can be situations where you're under pressure of time, under pressure of something else. And you're like, OK, OK, they agreed. We're done here. I would say not so fast. <laughs> and that's helpful to remember, too, is that it's just it's not just about helping parties reach agreement. It's, mm-hmm. you know, agreement that's doable, that's wise, that's workable for both sides. And it sounds right. like that's, you know, if someone's crying, that's where you're going to follow up on that yeah. just to see, hey, is this something that you really want to do? Right. Ideally, we all want a durable agreement, not just agreement for today. You know, because that's not going to do, it's not going to work down the road. So is it, is it durable? Is it going to work? Is it worth it to them? Hmm. Okay. So how about hypo number two? Now you're in joint session. You're giving your introduction. Both sides are leaning forward in their chairs. No one has said anything yet. Hmm. What do you think's going on? Gosh. Well, leaning forward could be kind of like I mentioned earlier. Maybe they're like anticipating that, okay, now maybe we can make some progress. You, you definitely have people that have been struggling before they got to your room. And so maybe they're excited that, okay, maybe this is where we can sort things out. This is, is good potential here. Or 
maybe they are putting up their dukes and they're, you know, leaning forward that way. I have no idea, but I definitely want to know. And I would, I would want to make sure I'm paying attention to what all of that means as much as I can. Um, and if I sensed any sense of aggression or hostility or anything that was, that was uncomfortable for either one of the parties or myself, then I would want to go to a caucus pretty quickly if I hadn't done so already. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And I, sort of my kind of gut reaction to that would it's almost sort of reminds me of participants in a sporting event gearing yeah, up, right? Exactly. <laughs> are they putting up their dukes or are they ready to work collaboratively in the center of the table? Right. And they're just, and they're just <laughs> eager to way. do so. All right. Well, how about hypo number three? So now you're doing a telephone mediation, speaking to one side privately. You ask for the proposal, and what you hear in response is just a long pause. Okay. You know, honestly, I think nothing. I think nothing right now. That long pause, I'm just totally open to whatever they are going to say because they they often need time to think. I mean, who, who wouldn't? So I would just take it as it is. Here's a long pause. That means it's something thoughtful. If they are upset or disappointed or feel like they're giving away too much or something, then they're going to tell me that um, shortly, I would think. And if they are simply just coming up with a reaction, I, I think people need time. In fact, there are times where folks will, will answer quickly and that I want to actually slow them down to let them test it out. You know, we all talk about reality checks or testing to make sure it's a really a good fit before they agree. Because like, like you and I are both talking about, it's not just the agreement. Is it the durability of what they're, they're doing? Does it really suit their interest? And will it suit their interest tomorrow and next year? <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm fine with that pause. I just want to be curious to see what's going to happen next. Hmm, cool, cool. Well, you know, this has been really fun. It's definitely given us a lot of uh, food for thought. And I definitely appreciate you uh, playing our game, what's really going on here. So I always like to sort of, you know, wrap things up with all of our guests, just asking, can you share a fun fact about yourself? <laughs> well, I know um, you and, and Alex and some other other friends feel that one of my fun facts is that I ride a scooter um, in fair weather. I try not to, to do bad weather, you know, since I live right here close enough to downtown. I don't know if everyone knows this, all of your listeners know this, but there's certain rules about how close to um, the courthouse building you can be. I found that out. I have to be a little bit further out than I wanted to be. But <laughs> did you park too close one time? One time I did. Yeah. One, one security guard said, oh, park right here next to the window and we can watch your, your scooter. And I was, I was like, cool. Then the next guard came out and said, oh, you can't be this close to the building. <laughs> but either way, free parking. Hey, you can't oh, be especially that. in downtown right? Columbus. <laughs> oh, you can't beat that. And it's so much fun. You know, you don't really get stuck in that gridlock. You just have a good time back and forth. <laughs> Well, that's very fun. That's very cool. Well, hey, how can others connect with you if they want to continue the conversation? Well, if anyone um, would like to email, my email address is charlotte at listenmediation.com. Um, so that's that's probably the easiest way as to find me that way. I'd love to hear any feedback or comments. You know, it's always great to learn from each other. I know I've learned a lot from you, Veronica, over the years, and it's just great to always compare notes. Well, thank you. And likewise. And, um, you know, I, I definitely enjoy I should fill our listeners in on, you know, Charlotte and I are, are frequently talking about mediation. And I know I've, I've had the privilege of observing her several times. And, you know, I've really learned you know a lot from you as well. So, I mean, definitely appreciate you taking time out of your day today to, to join us on Meetups with Mediators. I mean, you know, as always, it's, it's always great fun to talk with you. 
You too. Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. Well, that wraps up this episode of Meetups with Mediators. Let's make your next mediation your best mediation. Talk to you next time. Thank you.